It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is October 16th, bleeding into October 17th. My name is Philip Rosson I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, I'll talk very briefly about Thursday's preseason finale against the Miami Heat. Just give you a couple things to look out for in that game. But today we have uh, our uh, conversation with our correspondent, uh, Stuart Hodge, who comes on occasionally and just kind of flips the tables on me and lets me answer some questions and present some general magic information in a different way. We are officially one week until the beginning of the Orlando Magic season. The NBA season starts Tuesday. The Magic open up Wednesday against the Cleveland Cavaliers, so it feels like a good time to take a more universal look at the team. So we'll have that conversation coming up today. This episode is a little bit longer, so it's kind of a two-day episode now. Um, but So definitely uh, stay tuned for the whole thing if you can. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you would find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want to get the lowdown on the Miami Heat before the big game on Thursday? Check out our pals at Locked On Heat. You can also find any team in the NBA, so want the leg up on the Cavaliers? Locked On Cavaliers does a great job with that, covering the Cavaliers. You can find all these podcasts, including... Locked on NBA and Locked on Fantasy Basketball, wherever you download podcasts, just search for on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you are looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. So I don't want to spend too much time because it's still a preseason. It's still the preseason. It's still kind of the, the time to, you know, get everything under wraps or to 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 get fine-tune yourself and focus on yourself. So I don't focus so much on the opponent. The Heat, as I think Steve Clifford described them, are the Heat. They play like the Heat. Um, but at this point, teams are still not quite playing their regular rotations. And even the Magic would admit, and even Steve Clifford would admit, he's not playing his regular rotation quite yet. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why there isn't a ton of alarm or, or a ton of panic to how the team is played uh, in either case, too good or too bad. Um, they're just they're, no one's putting a lot of stock into preseason results quite yet. It's still about finding the right combinations and finding a rhythm for for each player and and and, and just kind of getting those reps in and that timing down. But the Magic are certainly disappointed with the way they played the last two games. Clifford uh, said that he's been really disappointed with the team's half court execution throughout the entire preseason, uh, really since the first two games, especially in. I think that assessment's pretty right on. Well, I think they've done some good and interesting things in the half court. And again, combinations matter. The Magic aren't playing the same combinations. The majority of their offense and the real thrust of the runs that they made in those first three wins came in transition and built off their defense. So a big thing to look out for in this preseason game on Thursday 
is whether the Magic are able to execute in the half court, whether the Magic play defense or play offense at a high level. Of course, the defense you expect to be good, the defense you expect to create some turnovers and create some opportunities, but if the Magic can't score in the half court, there's going to be problems, big problems coming up down the road. The Magic are going to really try in this game, I think. Um, Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross all participate in practice both Tuesday and Wednesday. Vucevic and Ross are almost certain to play and almost certain to play in big minutes in Thursday's game. Evan Fournier likely to play in Thursday's game too, although to what extent and how long is a question. Um, this is obviously a uh, not a huge game. I don't think the Magic have to go out there and win it. I don't think anyone's coaching this game as if they're trying to win it necessarily as far as rotations go. But Orlando wants to end this preseason on a good note in front of their fans for that matter. But want to end this preseason on a good note, heading into when the games count. My sense being around the team throughout the week, no one is panicked. Everyone understands what the preseason is. Everyone understands they have to play better. But everyone understands preseason basketball. And I think they all understand that when it counts, it's going to count. And I think the Magic are, are ready to step up when that time comes. So big things to watch where I think our offense, are they... Are they uh, running and executing their offense effectively, and then on defense, is that the is that their backbone? Are they are they playing with the right intention? Are they avoiding fouls? Are they getting back in transition? The little things on defense that really matter when the regular season begins. The results not going to matter in the end. If Orlando finishes three and three in the preseason, who cares? Um, getting blown out probably not the best look, especially if they get blown out early. But it's the preseason, not the biggest deal in the world, especially if. The Magic's best players are, are are not playing as much as they as they are. So the Magic obviously have work to do. I said that even when they're winning, they have work to do. They're very clearly still working on a few things and trying to get themselves going. Uh, but undoubtedly, too, Orlando's got to put in that work and, and deliver at the end of the day. The Magic take on the Miami Heat at 7 o'clock on Thursday. We'll be at the I'll be at the Amway Center. So expect a full recap on Friday's edition of Locked On Magic. Before we get into our interview with Stuart Hodge, Manscaped is number one in men's blow the belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON at manscaped.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are now joined by Stuart Hodge, who we've had on here on the podcast a few times just to kind of flip the table, so to speak, and, and have me a- answer some questions about the Magic in just a different format. And, and I, I hope I hope it's enjoyable. I hope it's good. Uh, Stuart, how you doing, man? You, re- you ready for the season to get going? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Preseason's certainly been interesting enough, hasn't it? Um, yeah. It's been quite a contrast, because I thought when we went three, you know, in the first three games, I thought, yeah, we're a lock for the third seed here. Zach Lowe was right. But um, yeah, I, I think it's been a bit of a mixed bag, but what you can see is you can see the definite evidence of the identity that we all know um, has has been instilled. I think the magic were... We're sort of floating along without any idea cohesively of, of who they are or what they were for so long that it's just good to know what our team's about now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's certainly good to like feel like there's a standard and, and know what this team's 
at least kind of baseline potential can be. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, honestly, it's it's preseason, so I'm, I'm trying not to read too much into anything one way or the other. I mean, I thought when the team was playing really well that there were some weaknesses that had to be shored up. I didn't think they were regular season ready. And certainly the last two games have shown that they're not regular season ready. But at the same time, I get the sense that this team is, is ready to get things started for real a week from now. Yeah, that, I think that's the key thing. Also, there are so many variables in play at the moment, aren't there? I mean, you've got the how big a jump is Jonathan Isaac going to make? Is Mo Bamba's motor going to be a little bit more sort of noticeable this season? Are we going to see that speed um, as well as the length actually come and impact players? Or is he still going to have to build strength? Uh, I mean, Isaac, I've got to say, is looking like an absolute machine. Um, I think he's grown in terms of height, although he's maybe trying to hide that, as, as players sometimes try and do. Um, but like, he's a, he's an absolute unit now, and I don't I don't see him getting bullied um, in terms of people throwing their weight around. And I think that sort of coupled with his length and his defensive nous is going to mean it's going to be a very very interesting year. This is going to be the year I think that the league notices Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think Isaac is is due for a, a really good season. Obviously, his turnaround offensively last year was one of the big reasons the Magic made their run, and I think the Magic are expecting him to kind of maintain that level and grow upon it. You know, I'm not I'm not quite in the whole you know Isaac's going to take over the world thing. I think defensively, I think we could see him get a few All Defensive Team votes. Um, I, I think that would be the huge step for Isaac more than than anything else. Uh, but but I do think Isaac's going to make some significant leaps this year, and 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 you know that I think it'll be a good thing for the team's future. Yeah, 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 definitely. And then you've got the variable that is Markel Fultz. Um, I mean, definitely the shot has changed. Um, that's obviously I, I think probably they've they've remodeled it as a byproduct of the the, the condition that he's got. Um, but I think he adds so much to the magic, even without a jumper. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the biggest, I mean, I was saying this, I was beating this drum all summer long with people who, because who, everyone wanted to know what's the deal with Marco Fultz. And my, my feeling throughout the entire summer was, you know, if the Magic needed him to play a game the next day, he could. I mean, it wasn't the, a physical limitation. It was just a kind of a precaution. But if you go back and look at his stats, even with Philadelphia, um, you, you, if you put your hand over all the shooting statistics and the scoring, and even this, I mean, even the scoring turned out okay. It was around seven, eight points per game. If you if you put your hand over the shooting, you'd be looking at a player that's like this is a really you know high level kind of backup player. He'd be a solid backup point guard with with these numbers. The issue mm-hmm. is he comes with the tag of being the number one overall pick. And yes, shooting is kind of important. And so it's good to see him out there on the court. You can see he makes a positive impact. He's you know, even with the two blowout losses, he's got a positive net rating. So when he's been on the floor, the Magic have played better, and it's it's noticeable. It's just about getting him confident in that shot. And honestly, I think this year's just kind of a whole season of building confidence for him. And so it's, you know, the, the shooting numbers may not be quite there, but but it's just about getting him out there and playing. Yeah, and it's going to take quite a lot to dislodge DJ Augustine from the starting jersey because DJ, I think, last season was just magnificent for the Magic. You know that way when you know a player's playing at the top of whatever their personal potential is? And after sort of drifting around for periods in his NBA career, it was just lovely to see what happened for DJ Augustine last season. He obviously hit the winner in Game One against Toronto as well, and I mean that's going to be that's going to be one of those memorable moments. It's going to be one of those moments that you remember DJ Augustine for. But I think his consistency, the fact he is a good shooter, 
um, or, or decent anyway. And the also just the fact he's got the experience. He's uh, and he seems to dovetail really well with Nikola Vucevic. I think that sort of combination of factors makes it. It makes it really interesting for the Magic in lots of ways, because if you think, I think Fultz could fit really well with Bamba, but I think DJ Augustine probably fits better with Nikola Vucevic. And I think that's the thing with the Magic this season. It's it's kind of, in some way, like a, a kind of hybrid period where you've got like the old guard and, and what sort of currently constitutes the starting lineup, and then you've got the, the sort of future, what kind of lies ahead, um, sort of the the younger sort of ones coming through, and then in the middle of all of that, you've got Isaac and Gordon, you know, um, who are kind of sort of starting at the moment, but also part of the team's future. I don't know. Do you agree with me? Do you think that it's, it's kind of it's two sort of separate teams that the and two sort of separate timelines that the Magic have got at the moment? Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I think I picked up on this a little bit last year that that there is a little bit of. You know, I, at the, I think at, at a point last year, I called it a tension. That there's there's tension between uh, the team as it is now with, you know, needing Nikola Vucevic and Terrence Ross and Evan Fournier and DJ Augustine to kind of carry the team and, and kind of keep it afloat and in the playoff race. But at the same time, there's still clearly a project of developing these young players. If, if I'm not mistaken, the Magic last year had the youngest starting lineup of any playoff team. And so... That, you know, there's there is a perception that this team is a veteran team that's kind of hit its ceiling. That that is kind of, uh, you know, the best of what it can be. And and I think there is a little bit of concern of that because you know we've seen, you know, six years of Nikola Vucevic and Evan Fournier not getting to the playoffs, and one year of them getting to the playoffs. So I think there there is that concern, and and I think that that it is you know definitely something that you have to consider that you know maybe last year was the best that this team can do, but at the same time. There are a lot of really young players that are only going to get better. I mean, I think, you know, obviously Aaron Gordon, I think, is... I'm someone who thinks he's due for a really good year this year. And, and you know, I'm, I am I have seen a lot of really good things from him, the way he fits into this offense uh, so far this preseason. But definitely some concerns still. And so there's a huge question mark with him. Jonathan Isaac's still really, really young. Markel Fultz and Mo Bamba are essentially still rookies. So this team is trying to balance that 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 issue of... You've got veteran players in their prime who can clearly get you to the playoffs, and that's where you want to be, and you value winning. But at the same time, you've got a lot of young players who clearly are the team's future that you need to develop and eventually grow into some of the roles occupied by those veterans. And, you know, you look at like a guy like Mo Bamba. Bamba's going to start the year as the backup center. It's not coincidence. It's not entirely coincidence, I don't think, that the Magic played better uh, or started their playoff run after Mobamba left the lineup. Ken Burks yeah. is just a lot more solid, but the Magic, you know, and honestly, I think the Magic waited too long to go with go with Birch last year, um, and that clearly kind of paid out. Paid out, but the Magic obviously want to give Bamba the chance, let Bamba get his work in, uh, and it just may be that they they you know aren't as good as they could be the first 20, 30 games, and then decide you know what, now's the time to make a change because we want to make the playoffs. Yeah, uh, and it's interesting because everyone's going into the season thinking Orlando, they've not done very much. It's going to be the value of sort of keeping pretty much the same roster and all of that. But I agree with you. I think it's it's going to be a year of finding what what the best fit is in terms of the balance between winning and development. And and that's the kind of crossroads the, the Magic find themselves at. You mentioned Evan Fournier, um, obviously was absolutely massive for France during the summer. 
Um, but I think there's a couple of points you, you can have to that. Do you think that means he's going to start the the season with a shooting stroke back the where he wants it and and sort of driving offensively in the the, the kind of best aggressive manner that we know Fournier does at his very best? And then as a sort of backup question to that, do you think there's maybe a concern given that he's played through the summer? He's going to be a starter at the beginning of the season. If he avoids injury right through and the Magic are looking at another playoff run potentially, is there a question that come April, May next year, you could be looking at serious fatigue issues? You know, I I, I, I think the biggest issue for, for Evan Fournier right now is, is taking care of his infant daughter. <laughs> it sounds like uh, at least some of his back spasm issues are are coming from from lift, from, uh, from lifting his daughter a little too much, which I can't blame him for at this <laughs> point. But um uh, you know, I, I, I think Fournier is due to bounce back. I'm not worried about fatigue. I mean, I think the league does a really good job of, of spreading games out. And, and while there is a little bit of a rush schedule coming off the World Cup and Fournier played a lot of really big games, um, I, I don't think it'll have that much of a lingering effect. I think the biggest effect for Fournier will be kind of tailoring his game more to, this, to the offense. And the Magic's offense, I feel, is a little bit different than it was last year. I think they are trying some different things. Uh, and that could help Fournier because I think it could present him more opportunities to attack and pick and, and pick and rolls. Um, it could help Fournier because it could lead him to more open three-pointers, which I think obviously he he needs. But at the end of the day, for Evan Fournier, it's about making shots. Um, we saw at the World Cup what he can do as a primary playmaker, and I don't think the Magic are going to look for him to do that all the time. So I don't think we'll see World Cup Evan Fournier. But at the same time, I expect him to to feel a lot more confident and a lot more comfortable with what he can do on the floor and bring that confidence to the team this year. Um, Evan Fournier had a good year for everything outside of his shooting last year. He had a team, uh, yeah, a, a yeah, career yeah. high in assists. He was a much better defender. Um, you know, I wouldn't say he's a great defender, but certainly someone that that Steve Clifford trusted a lot. And, and that that matters. I don't think that has gone anywhere. Um, you know, I think at the World Cup, he even he showed off some of that improved playmaking and that improved defense. The question now is, can he get that shot back to 38 39%? He was a 40% three-point shooter for a few years with the Orlando Magic. We know he can shoot at that level. That's what the Magic need more than anything else. I, I, I always cite this statistic. The Magic were actually 11th in the league last year in three-point field goal percentage. I believe they were 13th in three-point field goal attempts per game. It's not that the Magic aren't a good shooting team. They're, they're you know above average as a shooting team. The issue is, defenses don't believe they are a shooting team. And so mm. the guys that have reputations, because three-point shooting and spacing to me is more about reputation than fact. Um, yeah. Gravity is more about reputation than fact. Um, guys, you know, defenses will leave Wessel Wundu open for three. They'll leave Jonathan Isaac for three. And so those guys have to make defenses pay. But at the end of the day, too, the Magic need their best shooters, your DJ Augustines, your Terrence Rosses, your Evan Fournier's, to make three-pointers at a consistent rate. And, and that's what Fournier struggled with last year, and it, it clearly hurt the team, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, th- I think that's that, that's a very good point. Um, with Isaac in particular, I think if people start to, to respect his three, he's got a solid pump and drive game as well. So, I mean, that would unlock a bit more for the magic in 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 that sense um th- there's also the fact that you've got to if, if you do what toronto did they obviously doubled nikola vucevic and it really very much sort of neutered to what he could do offensively the magic have got to have more round about that 
Um, one concern could possibly be there was the whole contract year sort of factor with Terence Ross. What if the Human Torch extinguishes a bit this year? Is that is that a concern? Because I think without that punch from the bench, I think the Magic are a 33-win team maybe. Um, around that mark, I think Terence Ross was absolutely massive for the Orlando Magic last year. And I think if if he does regress somewhat, even if, if Fournier bounces back a bit, I, I think the Terence Ross factor is huge as to whether the Magic make the playoffs or not again. Yeah, and I think I think Ross is is a huge. It's not a huge question mark, because I think the Magic trust his consistency um, a little bit more, which is something that you may not have been able to say in the past. But but I I do anticipate that Ross will kind of come back to earth a little bit. Um, you know, I, I don't think you'll have as good of a year. But at the same time, you look at the potential combination in that uh, in that second unit of going from you know playing with a Michael Carter Williams to to playing with a Markel Fultz. You know. Fultz is a really, really good passer. You know, I, I think we all like. Like I said earlier, if you, if you cover up his his shooting numbers, his his the rest of his numbers look really, really good or look fine, especially for a backup point guard t- kind of player. Fultz is a really, really good passer, and I think we've seen that throughout the preseason. So, you know, I think for Ross, it's it's going to be about making sure he gets to his spots because I think defenses are going to try and play him more physically, but. Really, the, the effect Ross has, uh, you know, he's got to be able to change some games. He absolutely won some games just by making a ton of shots in a row and changing the momentum of the game and changing the confidence of the game. But Ross's value now really, I think, comes from the gravity he creates. And, you know, yeah, I, I think totally. I've, I've mentioned gravity a little bit. It's, you know, there's this there's this concept among analytic circles, and, and I think they're still trying to, like, fine-tune a way to, to measure it. But gravity is essentially players that defenses just cannot leave. Um, you mm-hmm. know, defenses like kind of swarm swarm around him and he's sort of like a, 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 a sun in the middle of the solar system where everyone's kind of orbiting him. Like you look at guys like Kyle Korver or J.J. Redick or Stephen Curry. Defenses cannot leave those guys. And like, a guy like Stephen Curry is like a black hole. He just, every, you know, he just warps the whole world around him. <laughs> you know, you got to, you, you change your entire defensive principle to, to cover him because, because of all the things that he can do. But the point still remains. You got to have guys that defenses cannot ignore, that defenses cannot leave or, or double off of, and that creates space for everyone else to attack. That creates space for drives, and if they do collapse on the paint, then you kick it out to this guy, and he's he's wide open for three. That's the kind of that's really the kind of role Terrence Ross has. So his scoring may decrease a little bit, and and I kind of expect it to, especially as other players take steps up. But his value to this team still remains because even if he isn't touching the ball, even if he isn't getting a ton of shots, he still creates value for the team. And so I think that's really what's most important with Terrence Ross. So given that the bench is is going to be overall looking a good bit stronger this year, is there an argument then to say, would it be of more value to the Magic to, to move Terrence Ross in with the starters a bit more regularly to, to create that gravity that we're talking about? Or do you think that would still carry more value with the second unit? You know, I think he still carries more value with the second unit, um, I have to say. I, I think I think there are certainly lots of calls to say, oh, the Magic should just start Terrence Ross. He's a, a better player than Evan Fournier. But, you know, I, I think the Magic have improved depth. But, you know, outside of Markel Fultz and Terrence Ross, they don't have a lot of scoring depth. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of similar players, so I think they can mix and match with the starting lineup. So... I expect that the that Steve Clifford's going to run a similar rotation to what he ran last year. Um, last year, 
you know, Aaron Gordon would typically be the first guy out of the lineup, and you could argue Aaron Gordon's the best player on the team and the second best player on the team. Um, he'd be the first guy coming out of the lineup so that he could play the end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter, with kind of the second unit guys. Uh, at the end of last season, the Magic would run a lineup out there of Michael Carter-Williams, Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross, Aaron Gordon, and Ken Burch as their, as their kind of second unit group. That's two starters and Terrence Ross who would finish games. So I think mm-hmm. that we'll see a lot of mix and matching with the starters and the bench players. I mean, I, I, I think with this team especially, there are like five key guys that are, you know, clearly the starters on this team. And, and, and Terrence Ross is certainly kind of a six-man type guy. But how they're interchanging, how they play together is going to be different every every game, I think. Or it's going to be um, a little bit more kind of, uh, kind of like laissez-faire or, or you know, the, the role of being a starter is really just a name. And, yeah, and, yeah. and most guys would tell you it's who finishes the game that matters more than who starts it. Last year, the Magic finished with Terrence Ross. Um, Steve Clifford believes that you need to put your best offensive lineup out at the end of games because offense is harder to come by late in games. So Terrence Ross played for Jonathan Isaac, and I think a lot of people may want to see Jonathan Isaac in those lineups, so who do you take out? Um, that might be, again, another issue of playing it by feel. If, if Isaac has it going, maybe someone else sits out. Or if Ross has it going, maybe Fournier, maybe Fournier, maybe Isaac sits out, maybe Fournier sits out. It, it, it might depend. It might be by committee who finishes a little bit more this year. Um, but the important thing is the Magic have options, and I think the, that we'll see a lot of mix and matching in the lineups. We'll see Aminu playing with the starters a lot because he is a starter-level player. Um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see the, these kind of combinations go and. You know, early on in the year, it might take Clifford a while to, to find the right combination. But once he does, we, we, we see the momentum that it can build. And, and, you know, I think, you know, one thing that we do have to watch out for is, is Isaac with that finishing group. I think that's the biggest potential for major change this year. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. But I think, as you say, that's that, that, that's what Coach Clifford has at his disposal. He's got, I mean, we were looking at Geraint Grant as the person who was going to come in off the bench to run the point last season. Um, now you've got uh, now you've got a, a variety of options. You've got Michael Carter-Williams, who literally bleeds for the team um, and, and was massive, I thought, for the Magic in that push um, late season uh, to, towards the playoffs, that, that, that late run that we had. Um, I think he was a huge, huge part of that. Um, you've also got, as you say, Markel Fultz. Um, and, and people maybe are still sleeping on him a bit because there's just this this whole sort of narrative around him that he's a bust, you know. Um, and I think that's what's going to be interesting. But he, as I say, even if teams don't respect his, his shooting, he can do so much more on the floor that I still think he's going to be a massive net gain for the Magic. And what we got him for in terms of jettisoning Jonathan Simmons, who just wasn't working under Clifford for Simmons, who was a player I really liked at the Spurs as well. He's a good player, good serviceable player, and I think I think he'll still do a job in the league for a few years. But um, the Magic wanted rid of him uh, and got rid of a couple of second rounders, I think it was, um, and managed to get the number one pick in the draft from a few years ago. Bust or no bust, that's that's a, a you can't fail. To, to, to gain something by that because you're at least at least you're trying something and you're you're getting rid of a contract that you don't want so I mean in every way that was a trade that that, that sir I think it showed me a front office that really does have a good idea that knows what it's doing 
The front office certainly knows what it's doing because it looks great. And I'm sure they get their suits from great places, but you can get a great suit at Indochino, the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when you enter the code LOCKEDON at checkout. Again, that's $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Now, on that note, Al Farouk Aminu, if there was one area of the Magic's roster that you would say is pretty strong, um, it's like that sort of four, because you've got Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, you could both argue, or, or sort of play that position. Um, and then they bring in Al Farouk Aminu. And it was a move that I think a lot of people at the time, they were like, so so where's, where's the value in this? Where's the sense in this? But I think the Magic are just looking for someone that fits that identity that they've got, that they've been drafting around, all of that sort of thing. Alfredo Camino does that. He's not going to sort of light the floor up on any given night, but what he will do is he'll play strong defense. He's pretty cerebral, and he's he's going to he's going to the players around him are going to benefit from his presence on the floor, and that just fits with the whole ethic of what the Magic are now. Um, but but can you can do you agree with that sort of assessment in terms of that's what the, the they were maybe thinking when they brought him in and. Other than that, do you think there's any other kind of value that he can add for the Magic? You know, I I think the Magic wanted to bring him in as a... So they could have a three-man forward rotation of just big, long-armed, versatile forwards. Just guys who can defend any position and and are committed to the defensive end. Um, I I think that was really the intention here was we want to make sure that we have essentially two forwards on the floor at all times who can switch with each other and, you know, are, you know, if not elite defenders, very, very good defenders. Uh, when I look at Al Farouk Aminu, and, and I watched him play a, little, a lot more closely at the World Cup than, than I probably have in the NBA, when, when, I wa- when I watch him play, I just see a guy who is always in the right spot. I mean, he doesn't do anything flashy. He doesn't take over games. He, he, he doesn't try and insist himself on the game, but he's just always where his team needs him to be. And it, it's those little things, the things that don't show up in a box score, that he does constantly and, and shows why he's so valuable. And, you know, I, I, I look at him and I'm like, why did you, t- you know, maybe you got paid a little bit more than you would have otherwise, but you were starting in Portland. Why would you come to Orlando where you're clearly coming off the bench? Um, but the big thing that I look at with, with Al Farouk Aminu is really not what he's going to do in the regular season. It wouldn't surprise me if he's kind of in and out of the rotation sometimes um, because Wesawundu is really good and he should also play. Uh, but... Um, I, I look at Al Farouk Aminu and I, and I see the Magic trying to cover one of their big weaknesses from the playoffs last year. When the Magic got into foul trouble, whether it's Aaron Gordon or Jonathan Isaac, Pascal Siakam feasted on Terrence Ross. So the Magic yeah. wanted an extra big body. They wanted an extra big body to be able to throw at a player like Siakam and just keep a defensive advantage that, that, that they really had throughout a lot of that playoff series. And maybe not defensive advantage, but a defensive strength that they had against the Raptors 
Um, they wanted to keep that at all times because when they lost it, when when you know whether it was Gordon or Isaac got into foul trouble, when they lost it, the Raptors attacked. That's when they made a lot of their big moves. And so I look at Aminu more as a signing to help the team in the playoffs. This is a signing that says, we expect to be in the playoffs, so we're going to have a really high-level defender to be able to bring off the bench just in case of, you know, not only just in case of emergency, but at all times, so we have the advantage throughout the series. I really think it was a, a, an interesting move. Obviously, it's a huge financial uh, outlay, uh, but but I, I do think the Magic made this move with the playoffs in mind more. Plus, Aminu's a veteran. He knows what, what he's doing, and I think he's going to impart a lot of wisdom to, to the rest of the team. Yeah, there is that. Now, I, I'm obviously one of these people that, that that looks at the kind of parameters of things and thinks how it could maybe the narrative of, of the season could shape what the Magic do. So let's say the Magic don't get out the blocks very well. Say it's looking unlikely that we're going to make a playoff push. Don't get me wrong. I don't think the front office will panic. But I think what Aminu does as well is he gives flexibility to them in terms of their trading options. So if Aaron Gordon's looking like a really, really good trade chip and the Magic decide that they want to go for sort of maybe uh, on a different tack or a different timeline with things, um, then what you've got is you've got a league where certain teams, and we are one of them, have a glut of players that can play the four. And then you have a real dearth of fours throughout the league. There's lots and lots of teams that want a better starting level power forward. So therefore, if Aaron Gordon makes a leap this year, he could become one of the most valuable trade chips in the entire league. And the Magic could potentially, I don't think they will, I I really hope they don't because I love double OAG, but he could become a very, very valuable trade chip. And if that is the case then that gives the Magic a lot of flexibility. And even if it's not another power forward that they get in for that, if they were to cash in on Gordon, you can put Aminu straight in, and you know you've got a, a starting level player. So I think that's maybe part of the thinking as well, is it just gives a bit of flexibility uh, in, in terms of the front office's options should the season follow a different trajectory to what we expect. I mean, I think that's I think that's right on the nose. I mean, if if you're looking ahead to February and the trade deadline, I think what the Magic did was they built depth at every position, so that if the right opportunity comes along and they have to, you know, or, or it, it feels right to you know make a trade on whoever, whether it's Fournier, whether it's Gordon, whether it's you know whoever, uh, if that opportunity comes along, they will be able to absorb it. They will be able to do it. Um, you know, I think the Magic have put themselves in a really good position to make that next move. Um, I know, uh, you know, I, 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 I had this argument with so many people over the summer when it came to Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, and I would say, this team isn't ready for that guy yet. I mean, you, you, when you go after those big fish, you push your chips to the center of the table, that means you are all in for the championship. That means you are all in for winning a title. This yeah. team isn't quite there yet. It doesn't nope. quite have the surrounding pieces to, you know, if you add a Chris Paul, they're automatically championship contenders. I don't think that they're there yet. Um, but they're getting there. I mean, this year, they could very well be at that level and the time to push your chips in might come. And so for, you know, honestly, for everyone, and I would say especially for Aaron Gordon because his contract, you know, honestly is one of the most valuable trade pieces oh, in the league. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's, what a bit of work that was, managing to get him on a descending deal. I, I Genuinely, hats off to the front office for that. Yeah, and, and you know, and I, I'm not advocating trading AG. I, I, think, I think AG 
can be an all-star. I think he can be an all-star this year. I think that he can take a, a sizable leap in this game. And even if he doesn't, he's still a really high-level, valuable power forward. You know, one of the best defensive forwards, I think, in the league. Um, so I'm I, I'm not saying you, you trade him, you know, hat in hand. And I've essentially told everyone that says, oh, the Magic should trade AG, you know, for this, that, and the other reason. I'm like, well, they're not trading him unless they get a clear all-star in return. And I wouldn't accept anything less for Aaron Gordon. So... You know, it's not that that they're definitely going to make a deal or that that deal was designed to be traded, but at the same time, you got to be open to everything that's going on. And, and this year's going to provide a lot of information about what direction the Magic need to go and what piece they need to add next to make this thing work and take this thing to the next level. So this is a very big year for everyone, I think, as, as the Magic continue to, to develop and evolve. And with free agency not really being a big thing in 2020, um, next year's free agent class is not very good. And you know who knows what the salary cap is going to look like with with some of the events going on, going on in the NBA right now, um, but trades are going to the trade market is going to be very active. I think next summer, so it wouldn't surprise me if the Magic get involved in that, if, especially if the season goes the way that I think they think it will. Yeah, I think that's very true, and you made a very good point there about depth at every position. Um, if I was to to speculate, and and I must insist that that is that is all that it is. Um, I would say probably the asset that the Magic would be most likely to to trade out of the the kind of blue chip assets that we've got would probably be Nikola Vucevic because obviously you've got Bamba who they see as the long-term solution. You've got Birch there who's proven that that even in the biggest of games at the sort of crunch time in the season, he he can deliver for the Magic off the bench. Um, So if you were to get... An attractive offer centered around Nikola Vucevic, who's probably reached the limit of his potential, and we can also see that with the type of player he is, it's almost like it's through no fault of his own, um, and it's through the way that he developed last year as well. But he became sort of a bit like his na- namesake, Nikola Jokic. It was it was the kind of sort of point center where the offense basically orbited around him, and if you shut that down and that that basically that that took away a lot from the magic in um, games two to five against the Raptors. I, I thought the the way that they shut down Nikola Vucevic throughout that series, in fact, was I think it surprised a few people. But I think the Raptors basically went right. This is the danger, man. If we manage to to sort of get get rid of what he can provide, then there's not enough around him for them to beat us over the course of a series, and so it proved. So I think by having Nikola Vucevic with the Magic and and having him as a starter and, and as part of your team, you're almost a you're saying right this is this is the way that our team is going to work because this is the the best guy we've got to sort of run things and especially if you've got DJ Augustine um, playing the point then he's going to be more likely to be a sort of catch and shoot sort of player who if Vucevic gets the ball to him so and they do run the pick and roll really well together those two but. I think if you do that, I mean, you've obviously got his box game as well, but you're basically saying, A, this is how we're going to play, and B, I think you're putting a bit of a ceiling on the team because you're saying, right, this is the way we're going to play, and it's reliant on this guy. So that is why I think the the, the person that sort of Hammond and Weltman may be most likely to cash in on would be Nikola Vucevic, because that would be, for me, the logical next step. For the magic, and as you say, it's not—it's not necessarily this year. It's maybe not even next year. It could be 2021. That could be the year where Jonathan Isaac's a monster. Aaron Gordon's already a three-time all or two or three-time all-star. Um, that could be the year Markel Fultz is, is recovered to being a very well-respected point guard in the league. 
there's going to come a point where you say, right, we've outlived Nikola Vucevic's, what, what he can provide. And Vuce, quite rightly, wouldn't accept a, a more diminished role um, in the league now. He's proven himself to be an all-star. He's proven himself to be a really good player. But I think that is the when the Magic do cash in, as you put it. And I agree with you, they're not ready for the, the, the Chris Paul level player yet. But when they do cash in, I think it's going to be Vuce. Yeah, and... and- you know, and Vucevic's contract is also structured the same way Aaron Gordon's is. So, uh, it, you know, it is front-loaded, which I think will be an asset down the road. Um, you know, I, I would say to, to those that, that, that are, like, kind of pushing the, 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 you know, Vucevic's time is numbered kind of narrative, um, you know, it, it, it depends on a lot of things. Uh, Mo Bamba's got to develop. And, and I think, you know, watching yeah. Mo Bamba in this preseason, he's still not there. He still feels like a rookie, and, and, he, and he's got to prove that he can make a positive impact on the floor. And, you know, Vucevic... You know, is it going to give up that spot, nor should he? Uh, I would also say, you know, while Vucevic has his weaknesses, and a lot of them were exposed in the playoffs a little bit, um, and, and I think he'll grow from that. I don't think I don't think he's done necessarily necessarily kind of growing as a player. He's near his peak, mm. but I, I think he still has at least three or I mean, I think he'll be playing well through the course of this contract because um, his style of play isn't isn't going to lead to a ton of injury or, or lead him to any any problems long term like that. Um, I, I would say though that Vucevic is legitimately one of the best centers in the league. The, the Magic run mm-hmm. their offense through him because outside of Nikola Jokic and Marc Gasol, Nikola, Nikola Vucevic was the best passing big man in the league. He was, like, he was third in assists per game out of centers. So mm-hmm. he's a really good passer, and I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Um, and and is a really efficient score. I mean, he could do better to get to the line, and you know he's got to... You know, become a better three-point shooter or more efficient with his mid-range jumper. But if you put him in the post, if you get if you get him on the block, he's gonna score more often than not. He he attacks the glass really well. Um, you know, I, I think the playoffs were as much a failure of everyone around him not giving him the support that he needs to free up. Because if you look at the the best moments for the Magic in that playoff series, it was because everyone was scoring, the ball was moving, and the ball would find Nikola Vucevic and he would make shots. What what he really struggled with was those kind of one-on-one matchups with Marcus Gasol. Um, which you know, Marcus is a really good defender. I mean, yeah, I can't, I yeah. can't blame him entirely for that. Um, the other player, though, if you're looking for trade chips, the other player I would watch is Evan Fournier. Um, mm-hmm. Fournier is on. Fournier has a player option for next season, um, so he he can become a free agent in 2020. He's owed, I think, 17 or 17 and a half million dollars for the next for this year, with a 17 half million dollar option for next year. If the Magic do need to shuffle and make a move, I think Fournier, depending on how he plays, might have a little bit of value on the trade market. So I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know what you'd get for him. I don't know if you'd get anything significantly better. But if the Magic need to kind of free up some shots or or add depth somewhere, you know, Fournier is a guy that you could look to move. But another interesting subplot of that is if Fournier has a really good year, if Fournier is playing really, really well, the free agent market coming up is so weak and so so uh, there aren't a lot of teams that'll have a ton of cap room that if you know Fournier could decide to opt out and become a big fish in this small pond and go get one more big contract from someone who does have cap room because there's just so little money to spend around. I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see how he and his agent play this out. And of course, it'll depend on how Fournier plays. So Fournier has another year like last year. He'll pick up that option and stay for the final year of his contract. But I do think that that's an interesting little subplot that not a lot of people are talking about or, or kind of giving mention to that could play out throughout the course of the season. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good one. I, personally, I hadn't given that any thought. Um, I, knew, I knew that he had the player option and stuff, but almost automatically in my head, I thought he's not getting that money elsewhere. Um, he's going to opt in. Like I'd kind of sort of um, resigned myself to, to to that being the way that this would play out. However, you're right. With it being such a weak free agent class... Um, if he has a really good year, especially offensively, because he's, I mean, I think Steve Clifford's one of those coaches where he's going to demand that everyone plays defense. You know, if you don't play defense, you're not, you're just not going to be in the rotation. It's as simple as that. Um, and that's why he's been able to extract that from Evan Fournay. But if Fournay can get back to, to get his shot back up to the percentage that it should be. Um, and, and drive to the basket a bit more because I think that was he, he was a bit passive at times last year. Um, I thought um, offensively, and I think I think that was the, the the big thing for me. But yeah, I think you're right. That could be fascinating to see next summer. Um, and if he does opt out, I don't think the Magic should break the bank to keep him because I think it's probably better for the Magic to have financial flexibility and look to maybe develop players that have a bit more growth in them. On that note, and talking about shooting guards, um, Melvin Frazier, uh, do you expect to see him on the floor a, a bit more, or, or, or what, what are you expecting from him going into the new season? Mel, you know, I, I like Melvin. What I've seen from him in the preseason this year, I, I've generally liked. Um, you know, I think his shot has improved a ton, and, and that was kind of the big thing for him, but this team is so deep. It's. I'm finding it really hard to, to see where his minutes are going to come from. Um, you know, Wesawundu, who I think was really good last year, and I think ha, you know has gotten better. He hasn't played as much in the preseason, so I, I you can't say that there's that you can't say that, uh, anything like real concrete about him. Um, he's going to be the tenth man in this nine man rotation, and, and he was a really good player last year. I mean, I think he played really really well in the role the Magic designed for him. Uh, and, and essentially, you know, he probably did get better over the summer and can probably do a lot more things, but there just isn't enough time to get him on the floor consistently. Um, you know, I would say uh, Wessa Wundu, you know, if Evan Fournier has to miss a game here or there, Wessa Wundu is the guy that will start. I mean, I would say the same thing, like if Nikola Vucevic misses a game, Ken Burch starts, Mo Bamba still comes off the bench. Who finishes might be the other question, but, um, you know, if Wessa, if Jonathan Isaac has to miss a game, or maybe not Jonathan Isaac because Aminu's there, but if, if, you know, Evan Fournier has to miss a game. Wessel Wundu is my guy to start, but that doesn't mean he's going to play every day. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think you trust a lot, but he's, you know, he's out of the rotation. So if Wessel Wundu's out of the rotation and he's a good, and he's a developed shooter and, and he's a developed defender, and where does that leave Melvin Frazier? So I, I think it's going to be really tough to get Frazier any kind of consistent minutes. He didn't play any meaningful minutes last year, which is, you know, frustrating and disappointing. But, um, you know, I think... If the Magic are still committed to developing Frazier, we'll see him a lot in the G League again this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you mentioned Bamba again. Now, so obviously it's, you missed a long period last year. Um, everyone knows about his length. That's obviously, uh, I mean, the, the, the big sort of thing about him is the fight, biggest ever measured at the combine, all of that kind of thing. Um, but, one of the things that people don't talk about as much is his speed from one end of the floor to the other. Um, he's very, very, very quick. Um, he's still quite slight physically, I, I, I think, considering the, the, the frame that he's got that he could build upon. So I think that's a factor. But other than that sort of strength, um, 
what do you think is the key here to, to, to Mo Bamba really unlocking that potential that is undoubtedly there with the, the kind of basketball body that he's got? And, I mean, how long... I know it's very early days at the moment, and I'm not advocating saying that Mo Bamba's a bust right now, but if we don't see any... Say Bamba has another full season, and we don't begin to see... He's still getting pushed around in the block, and we, we don't really begin to see any real development outside of... Because the only real sort of net positive... I was a bit disappointed with Mo Bamba last year, I'll be honest. And I think the only thing that gave me some joy was when I saw him making threes, I thought, right... We've got someone here who's potentially got all the tools to be a great modern centre in the NBA. Um, but it's almost like the more rudimentary parts of, of a centre's game and the, the, the kind of old school style, that's where he falls down. So how does Bamba manage to bridge that gap? What's the what's the key to him doing that? And how much progression do you think we need to see out of him this year? Do you think it's still early days? Do you think you can have another season of sort of treading water? Or do you think there's a demand to see a real leap in Mo Bamba's game? I mean, I, I think for Mo, he has to maintain the backup center spot. I mean, Ken Birch might be a more consistent player, but I think, you ha- I think Mo, at least this year, has to show that he is a he can be a quality backup center. Just just hit that benchmark. And, and, and of course, I still think there's room to grow. Uh, you know, I still think Mo's going to get pushed around a little bit. He's added muscle, but there's still work to do do physically with him. Uh, you know, I, I think his jumper and his offense will look a little bit improved, but it's still going to be very rudimentary. So, to me, the focus for Mo Bamba this year is on defensive understanding. He was essentially drafted, you know, because he's a really long dude who blocks a lot of shots. Uh, but that's not all there is to playing defense. And last year, you could see instinctually he knew how to block shots and, and knew how to kind of challenge guys, but it, it just wasn't consistent. Uh, you know, he wasn't able to read the def- read the offense uh, particularly well, you know, which r- rookies struggle with, centers especially. They struggle with kind of the baseline responsibilities of being defenders. And, and you know, that's why, honestly, I think Jonathan Isaac is so amazing is that he understands defense at, at 21, 22 years old. Bamba's mm-hmm. still learning defense at this league and at this level. And so the big thing, and, and so yeah, his block numbers were really good, but he'd be chasing blocks and he'd, he'd be missing those opportunities. Um, uh, he'd, be, he'd be kind of missing, uh, uh, op- you know, he'd be, he'd, he'd be missing some stuff there uh, because he'd be chasing blocks and give up, give up something on the back end. So he's just got to come to a better understanding of, A, how to use his length. Um, because, you know, he doesn't have to chase every block to change shots. It's about changing shots, not, not recording blocks. He has to continue to build muscle and continue to battle in the post. And some nights he might get overpowered and some nights he might hold his own. But the big thing is gaining defensive understanding. Because if he gains defensive understanding, everything else will grow out of it. You know, if he is able to be a good defender and, you know, get rebounds and get the ball out quickly... Then you see that end-to-end speed that he has really, really well, so he can, you know, run into dunks, uh, you know, running down the lane or, or trailing three-pointers or into like simple secondary break pick and rolls. That's really where Bamba's value is going to lie this year. You know, the Magic aren't going to run plays for him. He's he's not ready to post anyone up yet. But a quick pick and pop, a quick pick and roll, that's where he's going to find his gaps on the offensive end. But defensively, I think is where the Magic need to see the most growth. Yeah, I think that's accurate. And let's be honest. Could he be a better ball club in the league to do that? Uh, there's probably only a handful because I think that's the one thing since Steve Clifford's come in, we've seen the, the, the culture of defense in the team has been absolutely fantastic. And 
I, I mean, I'm, I'm quite positive about this year. I am looking more at the development of the younger individuals in the team than uh, the amount of wins that we tally up. For me, it's more about that continual development. And, I mean, we, we kind of spoke about it, the sort of the two kind of divergent timelines of the the, the, the Magic have, seeing how the front office looks to, to, to kind of marry those. And eventually there's going to come the time where the, the, the fork in the road comes and you go one way or you go the other. Um, once that happens, I think it's going to be fascinating to to watch how the magic develop. I'm 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 with you. I, I don't think I don't think that's necessarily even happening this year. Um, and I'm less bothered about making the playoffs than I am about seeing the acceleration in the games of Mo Bamba, Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, um, Markel Fultz. Hopefully, that's more important to me than whether the magic make the fourth or the fifth seed or or, or whatever. But on that note, and just as a, a, a final one to kind of wrap up the chat, um, where do you see the magic landing this year? Are we, are we going to be? Are we going to be what? Because I think was Zach. What Zach Lowy said? He, he thought we could finish third in the conference. I think that's too high. I, I think we're looking at yeah. sixth seed. Yeah. No. I, I I think that's a little high too. You know, kind of on your point. You know, I I. I don't think necessarily success this year is determined by getting a higher seed. Um, you know, if the Magic do get a higher seed, then yeah, the season was a success. The team made progress and, and all that jazz. Um, but kind of on your point, but that's what I see happening. You know, I, I think the Magic will probably be in around the same win total, maybe a little bit more, like 43, 44 wins, which I think would be a really good year. But I think more importantly, the growth that we'll see is they will comfortably make the playoffs. We will not be battling to the last or second last game of the season or, or the last week of the season. The team will be in the playoff picture. They'll, you know, not clinch early, but they'll they'll clinch comfortably, and they'll probably finish in that six or seven seven seed range. I think. I think so. Though their seeding will remain roughly the same, but I think what we will see is we will begin to see that turnover to the young guys. I think we will see Aaron Gordon take a more forward role in the offense or, or be a bigger player. And he was really good last year, so don't get me wrong. But I think we will see him take a step in his game. I think we'll see Isaac take a step in his game. And so I think we'll begin to see this team kind of turn things over to those players that, you know, clearly have a, a, a bigger part of this team's future. Um, and so if the seeding remains the same, but that happens, that's okay. Because I think that is a sign of future progress. And, and that's what this is all about. Um, you know, I think a lot of fans, you know, especially kind of the hardcore fans, uh, you know, fear being in the treadmill of mediocrity. They don't want to be a six or seven seed every year for the next four or five years. And I agree, that's not a good thing. The important thing is to have a way forward, to, to, to be able to point to and say, you know, we finished here this year, but we see signs that we can get better, you know, both internally and then with some external moves. And, and I think that's the most important thing is make the playoffs again and show that there's a way forward. If they make the playoffs again, playing very much the same way as they did last year, you know, and, and Fultz looks okay and Bamba looks okay and Gordon's about the same, you know, then you might have worries and you might have to say, okay, maybe we have to reconfigure some things here to take that next step. Let's figure out how to take that next step. But if Gordon's the leading scorer and, and an all-star candidate and Isaac looks really good and Fultz looks really good and, and you still end up as a six or seven seed, that's okay. That, that means that, okay, you know, we have guys that are going to continue to get better and that will propel us forward. So we don't have to change a whole lot. You know, there might, there's obviously things to change all the time if you don't win the championship. But, but always having a way forward is the most important part. And I definitely see that in this team no matter what happens. Um, making the playoffs is an absolute must. If the team fails to make the playoffs this year, 
Season's a failure. I, I don't think there's any way around that, um, barring like significant injury. But I really think that the Magic are in a good position to accomplish a lot of these goals. And, you know, maybe their wildest dreams can come true. Maybe they can get home court advantage. I'm not quite there on that yet, but I do think that they are comfortably a playoff team. Yeah, I'm with you. And yeah, cannot wait for the start of the season, man. It'll be interesting to watch how things all propel along. And I'm pretty sure we'll have a couple of these chats before playoff time next year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, 82 games is a long, long way. We're really just at the beginning of this journey. Yeah, exactly. But it's going to be good fun to watch. Phil, it's been a pleasure joining you once again, man. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for thanks for the questions as always, man. And thanks once again to our pal Stuart Hodge for stepping onto the podcast. You can follow him at Hodgey the Hack and catch out his uh, work on the NBA at Sky Sports News over in the UK. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore MD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. We'll be at Thursday's game against the Miami Heat for the preseason finale. So be sure to tune in Friday for a complete recap of that game as well as reaction from the team themselves. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossenreich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.